Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome to the show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-host and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 68 of the show, and I'm joined this week by my dear friend and lovely co-host, Kelly Gordon. A while back, a sort of awesome listener suggested that we could devote a whole show, not just to our awesomes of the week, but to the awesomes of our lives. Well, you all know how much we enjoy spreading the sparkly things here on the show. So Kelly and I have cooked up an episode that delves into our very favorite things, past, present, and maybe even future. We'll see. We're talking favorite memories, favorite snacks, favorite items in our home, the place that we could spend all of our money, and so much more. We're going to get to all of our favorites from all of our lives here in just a minute. But first, let's start the show the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. Kelly, what do you have for us this week? Hey, awesomes. Okay, so this is what I have for you guys this week. And this is one of those timely sort of awesomes. And it is even in my house coming back up, we are probably one of the later groups to start school in the country. But you know, you're always packing things for your kids to eat, whether they're going back to school, and it's an intensive everyday sort of a thing, or you're just going to the park or the beach or whatever. So just yesterday, I was packing some things for my kids. And I was giving thanks for the fact that a few years ago, I think just two, I made the real transition from packing my kids' school lunches using, you know, plastic baggies. And I said, no, I really want to do better by the earth. I want to make it easier. And so I went out and bought a whole lot of different sort of lunchbox systems Uh for my kids to use. So, you know, I'm packing four lunches a a day once we get into the school year. And so- That would have been a lot of plastic bags. And so I really, I love, I have a whole box that I keep in a storage area of all the school lunch stuff. And so I thought I'd tell you guys a few of the things that I have found to be the best because I did buy a lot and I kind of sampled a lot of things and said, well, this is cute, but does it really work? Um, What does it work? You know, I have a wide range of age of kids too. You know, the 15 year old is going to eat way more than the six year old. So my first recommendation kind of is it's called Easy Lunch Boxes. Oh, okay. You yeah. can get this on Amazon. We can link to all of these using our sort of awesome, you know, link yes. in the um, show notes as well as in the hangout group. But they're kind of those bento style boxes, but uh-huh. they're really well put together. They're very easy, especially for little fingers to open. So important. And yes, and dishwasher safe, you know, so they bring it home, you just throw it in the dishwasher and bring it out the next day. Uh, it has one big section and two smaller sections. So it works really well. Like you could easily fit a sandwich in the big section and fit, you know, some baby carrots or some grapes or something in smaller sections. It doesn't work well for sauces, you know, like it's not leak proof. So you couldn't put yogurt, for example, just like a big dollop of yogurt in one area, but you could put something in. I also use those in conjunction with something else I bought that are those silicone baking cups and rectangles. Yeah, yeah. They make those in all sorts of shapes and sizes these days. But I will use those because I have a lot of kids who don't like sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
I will use those little baking cups in one of the bento style boxes and then kind of make my own Lunchable. I'll line up, um, you know, whatever it be, pepperoni or little bits of turkey and crackers. And then I can even have usually another one to put, you know, some carrot sticks or something like that in. Works really well. So it can fit a really healthy and even fun, I, I guess, part of what I like about it is it's bright colors. So hopefully it entices them yes. <laughs> to want to eat more. And the other one that I found, and this works especially good for my bigger kids, is the Rubbermaid Lunch Blocks. Oh, yes. We use they're those. Called, I love yeah, them. They're at Target. Yep. Can, again, we'll link to them on Amazon. They have a cooler that you can fit. They're all stackable. Yes. Um, and th- what I like is that they're just a little bit bigger. You know, the smaller bento style boxes don't work great for middle school and up. Yes. So these, I can really use as many as I want. You know, if I want to have a whole thing of sugar snap peas and a whole thing of strawberries and a sandwich, and then I, you know, I'm throwing snacks in on top, like they're great for the customizing of bigger lunches. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So those are my, my favorite recommendations. I also have, you know, some of those, they're, they look kind of like a popsicle mold. They're in a silicone long, they have lots of different shapes and sizes and they're really colorful. I use um, yogurt in those and we also put smoothies in them. Ah, yeah. But my very favorite, the smoothie thing, I think especially for everybody who's going back to school right now, you know, in the fall and then again in the spring when it starts to get really warm. This is my favorite. I'll just sneak this in. Lunch that's maybe unexpected for your kids is if you get plastic ball jars. So, again, you can get these on Amazon, but they have a screw on lid Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. they don't leak. I'm sure you could use glass too, but you just have the breakable factor, right? So these plastic ones, you can make a smoothie, put it in this plastic jar, screw the top lid on, put it in the freezer, and then put it in your kid's lunch. And by lunchtime, it's pretty much dethawed to the consistency of a real smoothie again. You but it's kind of kept their lunch you're cold. A, you're a genius, really. And it's so what fun. It comes down to. It's so cool, right? Yeah, you know, because yeah. they're like, I got a strawberry banana smoothie for lunch or a peanut butter chocolate smoothie. But you can sneak stuff into smoothies. You know, like it's a really great thing to have on a cold day. And again, it's, it's because of these cool containers that we have today for lunches. So that's my awesome of the week. Not only am I looking kind of forward, it makes me not dread school lunches Mm -hmm. um, as much. (laughs) As much on there. Um, But I mean, even for myself, I I pack stuff for me to eat when I was teaching last spring semester. I pack stuff for the beach. It's just so nice to have all these containers, different sizes to make something that could be mundane, a lot more sparkly. That's right. And that is what we are here for. That's so... I will definitely, we'll, we will put links to all of Kelly's favorite picks for that stuff. I am telling you, it's so great to have a, a mom who with a little bit older kids be like, listen, I've tried all the systems. This is what works. Because right. when Daisy first started school, I went through a ton of systems too. Now we have settled on the lunch blocks too, and they work great. So yes, we will totally put those picks into the show notes for yes. this episode. Okay. Yeah. So what's yours? What's your awesome of the week? What you got for us? <laughs> okay. So last week, <laughs> you guys, I'm like, I, I can barely contain myself. <laughs> I've tried to talk to Kelly a little bit on Voxer about this last week so I could get some words out and kind of get it under control. I'm having a hard time containing my enthusiasm. Right. Yes. You're very, very, very I excited about this. I'm very, very excited. So, you know, last week, Rebecca mentioned that her awesome of the week, the Royals had come to her via a recommendation from someone in our sort of awesome hangout group. Same for me this week. There is an awesome named Amy who has changed my life with this <laughs> awesome of the week. So the thing 
is, is it's a podcast and it's called the Babysitter's Club Club Podcast. And I will dive into the content of the show here in just a minute. I have to tell you, as I was thinking about this show, I was like, what is it that I just cannot get enough of about the show? I was thinking about how in my life I have I have very specific types for things. I guess you could guess it ties into our favorites talk that we're about to do. You know, when we talked about chemistry and attraction and those types of things, Kelly, what, back in whatever episode that was, um, I was thinking about how like I definitely have a type and my type is like misanthrope with a heart of gold or like, you know, mm-hmm. like a jerk with the heart of gold kind of thing grouchy on the outside, but on the inside, they're really tender and sweet. That is totally my type when it comes to um, romance. And even really, I have a lot of friendships that are like that, too. (laughs) When it comes to, however, comedy and what makes me laugh, nothing makes me happier than nerds being nerdy about pop culture. And that is... Amen. Yes. (laughs) That is what this podcast essentially is. So, for anyone who's uninitiated in the Babysitter's Club series of books, they, these were books that came out in the late 80s. They started in 1986, written by Anne M. Martin. Follows five teen girls in the beginning who start a babysitting club. I remember vividly being introduced to the Babysitter's Club. My Aunt Karen bought me a box set of the first five books for Christmas one year. I think I was 11. And... I devoured them. I thought they were amazing. I was completely obsessed with the series for a long time. I'm sure there are lots of awesomes who are nodding their heads right now. They have experiences with Babysitter's Club. Did you read them, Kelly, when you were growing up? I didn't so much. My sister did. I was more of a Sweet Valley High girl. Right, right. Yes. Yes. I know know the type. And I think, I don't know that I read them, but they were so around in pop culture. I feel like I did. You know how that is? Yes, definitely. Well, <laughs> this podcast, The Babysitter's Club, Club, is hosted by Jack Shepard and Tanner Greenring. They are both writers for BuzzFeed. They're like 31-year-old guys who, the story goes that Jack, one of the co-hosts, um, when he was younger, he was like seven, his cousin was super into The Babysitter's Club. And he'd go over to her house, and while she was, you know, watching TV or whatever, he just like read through all of The Babysitter's Club books when he was a kid. <laughs> Anything when you're yeah. bored, right? Right, right, right. So he enjoyed the books as a child, and he roped his friend Tanner into doing this podcast where they discuss it. In each episode, they discuss one book from the series. And like I said, it's nerds being nerdy about pop culture. So on the one hand, they are super serious about the plot lines in these books, which, listen, Kelly, um, a friend of mine, my friend Trish, saved all of her Babysitter's Club (gasps) books, and she loaned them to me so that I would have them on hand for my girls. I picked some up, and I was reading them, and I was like, you guys, these are terrible. These are terrible. But also amazing. And so Tanner and Jack take each book and they like seriously break it down. They talk about like structuralist theories. They talk about like economic principles, how to create a startup, like really serious things <laughs> for each of these books. They take it so seriously. But at the same time, they're also super, super silly. Yeah. And you can tell like the chemistry between them is so fun and so engaging. They make each other laugh. I'm telling you, there was one episode that was so funny. I think it was episode five. It was so funny. I had to sit down in my kitchen and I had like tears just rolling down my face. I was laughing so hard because they are so silly and so funny, but also so super smart. And along the way, I've I've only finished through episode eight. 
But along the way, they've created these little in-jokes with each other and with the audience. Like they developed this idea that maybe the Babysitter's Club isn't about girls doing babysitting in Stony Brook, Connecticut. Maybe it's about bees. <laughs> what? It's like so goofy and right, stupid. Right, but it makes sense when you're listening, It right? makes sense when you're listening. And then, but then they, so they take that joke and weave it in episode yeah. after episode. Sure. So you really have to start at the beginning. If you're going to listen to this, you have to start from the beginning because the jokes build pro- progressively over time. I've had a few people ask, can you listen and enjoy it if you didn't read the Babysitter's Club books? I would say yes. If this is your type of humor, and you will know after you listen to the first episode or two if it's your kind of humor or not, you can definitely still enjoy it. I think having some context for like who the characters are and what the sort of general setting was, I think that that's helpful. But I'm telling you, I haven't picked these books up really except to kind of skim through them. I haven't picked them up in a long time. I certainly don't remember the plot lines of every single book. And even still, it is so ridiculously hilarious. I have loved every single one. I'm completely mainlining it. All of my other podcasts that I subscribe to are being completely neglected because I am (laughs) obsessed with this podcast. It's amazing. Now, I do have to say, longtime listeners know that lots of my awesomes of the week come with a language warning. (laughs) I just want to make it really clear on this podcast, even though it is about the Babysitter's Club books, which are very sweet and very innocent. The podcast has a very strong grown-up language warning on it. Yeah, it's an (laughs) adult podcast about children's book series that adults love. Yes, it is definitely, it's an adult comedy podcast. So if you are sensitive to grown-up language, if you don't want your kids to hear that, then just keep that in mind before you fire this one up. I might have to listen. I mean, I kind of thought that maybe I wouldn't get it because I haven't read the books. Right. But nerds being nerdy about pop culture, like you had me at hello. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So that is my awesome of the week. Maybe one of my awesomes of the year. Probably it's going to be up there at the top of the list. So yeah. 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 That's, That's what I've been doing for the past week for sure. Well, Megan, I have to ask you, because I got this really funny email forwarded to me by Laura, Uh because obviously in the last show, Rebecca had a big announcement. Laura's got some big changes. And so somebody had sent Laura an email and was like, oh, I can't wait to hear what Kelly's big announcement is. (laughs) And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Pressure. So I have no big announcement, but I think you do. I do. I do. No one here is having a baby. Let's yes. clear that we'll off the table. get that right out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do have a big announcement, and that is that next month, in the middle of next month in September, I am going to be traveling with World Vision, and I'm going to be going to Lebanon. Um, they asked me to be part of a media trip over there. Uh, they will be focusing on the stories of Syrian refugees who have fled from Syria and and landed in Lebanon. Now, Lebanon is just south of Syria. And so many Syrian refugees have found themselves now living in Lebanon that now one out of every four residents in Lebanon is a Syrian refugee or is from Syria. Yes. Wow. So there is a significant amount of work 
that is being done and needs to be done in Lebanon as all kinds of humanitarian groups are doing relief work and development work to help these families adjust and acclimate to life outside of their homeland of Syria. If you're not familiar with World Vision, they are a humanitarian group. They're Christian-based. They do work here in the United States and all around the world. You've probably seen bloggers and other people that you might be uh, familiar with who have traveled with World Vision before to showcase and highlight their work in various countries around the world. Like I said, in here at home in the United States as well. So um, on September 10th, I'll be leaving. I'm leaving my family for a week. It's the first time I have left my family for this Mm -hmm. long since I became a mom. So feeling pretty nervous about that. I land in Beirut on September the 11th, and I'll be there for a week before traveling back home. My purpose in being included in this trip is to take the stories of the families and the people that we meet there and then bring that bring their stories to you in the form of podcasting. So stay tuned for more in the future as I, you can follow along with me. Um, We'll have all kinds of social media updates. And if you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, you'll want to do that. Tinyletter.com slash sort of awesome is where you can sign up for the newsletter. There will be updates about the trip. I'm not being vague about any other details of the trip on purpose. There's just a lot of things that I don't know yet. Right. <laughs> I do know I'm going and I will be in Lebanon for a week in September. So and it's so more. exciting. You guys who are listening, I'm sure you're feeling the same way, like almost a chill at my back that Megan has this opportunity. Yes. I mean, there's all these details. And of course, being away from your family and your girls and Kyle and you know, the boys, it's a lot to do, but to be able to tell these stories is so impactful on everybody. I'm so excited for you to do this and for us to get to hear when you come back. It's going to be a great, great thing. Well, I'm very excited. I am completely humbled that World Vision would ask me to join them in this. I'm just like, I can't even believe it. Um, I'm also really nervous, not just about leaving my family, but I'm not a great flyer. Like... (laughs) just am not good with flying. It's not even so much the part that's in the air. It's like the um, the logistics of airports and, you know, making connections right. and those types of things that really gets me pretty stressed out. So if you're listening and you have some good international travel tips for a novice international flyer and traveler, please do feel free to find me anywhere, email or on social media and tell me your best tips because I will gladly accept those yeah. as I get ready to go. So, all right. So that's my big announcement. Kelly doesn't have any big announcements that we know of yet, but hey, you never know. Something (laughs) something could spring up. We'll see. (laughs) All right. Well, like I said at the top of the show, we thought it would be so fun to put together a show just kind of exploring the awesome of our lives. We have a whole list, you guys, that we're going to go through sharing some of our favorites, uh, favorites from the past, favorites that we're enjoying now. And we cannot wait to hear, too, from you all what some of your favorites are in these categories. So let's start with something that I know you love deeply, Kelly, that we've never really spent a ton of time talking about on the show, and that's children's literature, kids' books. Yes. You and I have talked about maybe doing a whole episode about children's literature. Right. And I'm still very interested in that. But when you ask me, and if someone just came up to me, you know, at Starbucks and said, what is your favorite kids book? My natural inclination would be to go to picture books, even though I do love kind of, you know, just a little bit the chapter books and, Mm -hmm. and things that are, you know, more in the YA fiction area. I love picture books. 
Like, I will not get rid of my collection. I don't care if my kids ever stop reading it. Um, I think they're clever. I have great esteem bordering on obsession for the artists that can draw these things. Absolutely. So my first thought would be, especially right now, anything by Mo Willems. Of course. Yes. Anything. I do not know how I got through my older two kids never read his stuff. I don't know if they were just a little bit before him or what, but my soon to be third grader just a couple of years ago, she brought home an elephant and piggy book. Mm-hmm. And like we have devoured them, as you were saying, you know, like checking them out at the library. They're so clever. The illustrations are so simple, but so well done. Yes. So well done. So for a beginning reader and even for a mom who has to read a book over and over, yes. they are the perfect thing. So whether it is Elephant and Piggy, you know, or Pigeon, or he's got other series that are coming out now, like I'll be pawing through the W like area in my, you know, kids library section, and I'll find a new Mo Willems book, you know, Nuffle Bunny. Um, I'm just all excited. I'm all excited. But I would say the other two books that I recommend to people or I give as gifts a lot, because I do think that Mo Willems gets a lot of attention, is one is called Shopping with Dad. Hmm by Matt Harvey, okay. and it's illustrated by a woman named Miriam Latner, Latimer. I'm sorry. It's it's like a, one of those rhyming books. Uh-huh. And the illustrations are adorable, but it's especially fun to read out loud. Yeah. So since, you know, I'm still kind of in that stage where I'm reading books out loud to my kids. Yes. Um, you know, it's got all sorts of good lessons and stuff in it, but it's just super, super fun. So I have to read you a little bit. Okay. I'll read you like one page, but just to give you a feel for what it was. So... The story is about a little girl and her dad who ride the bus to go to the store with a list from the mom, which right there I kind of love. I love the dad is taking her shopping. The mom is at home working. Um, so they she has this long list. And so the little girl has it. She's a little rambunctious, you know, like a lot of kids are in a grocery store. And so she has the list. And the dad says, that was silly. Now it's quite hard to read. This list tells me all the things that we need. He read it and laughed and said, listen to this. Your mom's put some very strange things on this list. Weather bread, danger jam, evergreen eggs, octopus underpants, spider's legs, well-behaved daughter water, extra clean germs, strong anti-grump pills, and a bucket of worms. You know, so so cute. It's so cute and it's so fun. And she does get into a little bit of trouble. And so there is kind of a moral lesson of like, how Uh do you deal with that? Uh So it's super cute. But the other book, and I think this one, I might love almost more for the pictures, but it's called The Best Pet of All by author illustrator David LaRochelle, who actually lives not too far from me. Oh, wow. How um, fun. When I, I found that out, I was like, oh, I lived by somebody that's so neat. Yeah. Um, but it's it's about a little boy who wants a pet. He wants a pet dog. And his mom, apparently she's a single mom. It's like you never see the dad in the book. But she's like, no, dogs are messy and I can't do that. So finally he says, what if I get a dragon? And she's like, you know. Sure. If you find a dragon, you can have a dragon for a pet. And so he does. So it's a cute story, but and a little more hijinks unfold in that. But what I really love about it are the pictures. Uh, yeah. He's drawn, it's kind of got this retro feel, kind of a 1950s diner-esque yes. sort of thing. Like the little boys always in like kind of overalls and, you know, just everybody's dressed in that era, kind of Mad Men-esque is yes. the way it's drawn. So it's a delightful book to read to kids and also to look at. So those are my two favorite books to give as gifts because I feel like they're not as well seen. Yeah. They're great for parents and kids. They're just I my like favorites. That. What about you? What are your, what would you say? 
probably my favorite kids book. Again, I, I love the I love a picture book too. I really do, especially like you said, the ones that have really clever illustrations. Yes. So fun. So my very favorite is by Susanna Gretz and it's called Riley and Rose in the Picture. And Riley and Rose in the Picture is the story of a cat and a dog who are getting together and they are going to draw. Riley the dog only wants to draw shapes and he's his drawings what he wants his drawings to be very simple and to make sense and to be very structured and ordered <laughs> okay rose the cat wants to turn all of his simple drawings and simple shapes into these imaginative things like completely like turn them into cake turn them into lollipops and all of these things and so the story of riley and rose is them going back and forth and how Riley keeps attempting to be like, no, we need to do it this way. And then Rose comes along and is like, but what if we did it this way? And it's so cute. And, and I love it on several levels. It reminds me so much of my older daughters, their personalities. My firstborn mm. is very, let's do it this way. This is what the rules say. We need to do it this way. And then my younger daughter is very imaginative and she does not care what the rules say we should do. She wants to do it her way. And also, I just love the fact that it just takes that idea of when you're reading to a young child who is familiar with shapes, it kind of helps them see that what the next level of art can look like, because you can start with a triangle, but it can turn into a boat and, um, you know, just various ways that you can incorporate art into your drawings. Even when you're a little kid, the illustrations are beautiful. The moral of the story is great. By the end of the book, they have figured out how to collaborate and make a story together. So it's fantastic. Riley and Rose in the Picture by Susanna Gretz, for sure, my favorite children's book. I love kids' books because they're so happy. Yes. You know, like everything yes. is resolved. It's a nice break, I think, for parents sometimes, too, even when you're like dealing with kids who are having hard days or people who are fighting and you're like, look, look at this little world where I can enter for even five minutes and everything is brightly colored and has a really nice resolution. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Okay, so here's a question. This is a favorite that we maybe should have gotten to back at the beginning of August when we came back on our group show. We did a whole show on music. Mm -hmm. If you haven't listened to that yet, you can go check it out. But We all said in that show that music from our teen years Mm -hmm. somehow seems to be the most evocative. It really sticks in there. But we never said just... What's your favorite song? So what was your favorite song from your teen years, Megan? Oh my gosh, Kelly, this question. I'm like seriously, you're asking me to pick like amongst my children is how much affection I have for music (laughs) from the 90s, from my teen years. I just, it's so hard to pick, but I have to say the one that just kept coming to mind over and over. It's so, it's like not even imaginative. It's not like some hidden treasure that you've never heard of before. It's the Violent Femmes Blister in the Sun. <laughs> yes. And it's just so ubiquitous. And it just reminds me of high school dances or even, you know, like any kind of get together. It seemed like when in that like middle 90s era, that song was going to play. I just might stop to check you out. Let me go on. Like I blister in the sun. Let me go on. It's just, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like a life lesson song or anything. Right, right. It's just fun. And I just love it. So Maybe how- a life lesson if you don't put on sunscreen and you're really pale. <laughs> That's what we should have all taken away. <laughs> <laughs> how about you? Song from your teen years. Kind of the same way. Very hard to choose. And also, I don't know, is it a little embarrassing? Sometimes I guess we want to feel like we're special snowflakes and we're going to find this like uber deep song, <laughs> That's you know, me. that really calls to mm-hmm. mind. And mm-hmm. and I was like, it, it isn't like if I just hear a song and I'm instantly transported my, to my teen years, it is straight up. 
by Paula Abdul. Yes. It is Right Here Waiting uh-huh. by Richard Marks. Uh-huh. And really, even Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. Oh, right. Yes. You make it double, don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry, be happy now. You know, those are the songs, like, they were always at the top of the pop chart. So I'm not, like, making anybody go, I've never heard of Paul Abdul. You know, but <laughs> those are the songs that just, I know every word still. And they just make me smile because there's so many memories that are just wrapped up in it. 100%. Absolutely. So those would, those would be my, my favorite ones. I do think, and this is probably true for you too, in anybody, it doesn't really matter even when you were a teen, but if you ever listen to, like I'm right now listening to a lot of best hits of the 80s sort of thing on you know Pandora or Spotify, they'll come up with lesser known songs, you know, oh. things that were still popular, but that you hadn't, haven't maybe heard in a sure, long time. Yeah. Like yeah. I heard a Millie Vanilli song the other day uh-huh, and uh-huh. almost fell over. Like yeah. I was so instantly, like my brother and I belonged to a tape club. Do you remember <laughs> these where you could get like 10 tapes for a oh penny? Oh my gosh. So we yes. pulled our money and like, so we had like Millie Vanilli, Fine Young Cannibals, like the things that really we should probably be embarrassed to admit that we no, ordered. But back no then they were super in that. Pop, right? Yeah. Super so sometimes it's those other songs too that aren't the top ones, but you kind of have to fill in the cracks with all these other things and to really get the teen experience, it will take you back. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, another favorites category that may not be, uh, there's not as many choices to choose from for sure. And I think people ha- kind of tend to fall in one camp or another on this. Let's talk social media platforms. You're, we kind of have, you know, experience across the board, social media wise, wh- wh- where's your favorite land on that? Mine is Instagram. I can't, really? I can't, not pretend that it isn't. Okay. Um, I, I do really love Twitter. It would be a, a second. But Instagram, I'm visual. Mm-hmm. So I just love to scroll the pretty pictures and um, see with my own two eyes what my friends are up to today or the places that people that I follow are going. That's It's just my favorite. It's probably the thing that I'm most likely to open when I just have a few minutes and I just want to kind of catch up with the world not in a way I think that Facebook makes me feel like I need to respond ah. but it's really quick on Instagram you can just like right. like 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 you know it's it's quicker mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. and less pressure filled what about you I'm Facebook which again so trite <laughs> nothing original here <laughs> I love that on Facebook you can use as many words as you want to <laughs> I have right? a lot of words Kelly and that's one thing that kind of drove me away from Twitter I would spend so much brain power like how do I condense this into 140 okay. characters it would stress me out and so I took a long vacation from Twitter I have recently returned. I'm enjoying it. Here's the thing. I'm still, I'm not great at being on Twitter. Like I'm not a great person to follow really because I don't have like clever insights on politics or theology or anything like that. And I'm not that funny. There's not, you know, some people are like so funny and they can make, they can say something so funny in so few words. I'm just not. It's amazing. Um, So, but I loved, I do enjoy getting on there now and reading on there. But in terms of expressing my own thoughts and connecting with other people, I am, I'm a little ashamed to say I'm Facebook all the way. 
So yeah. <laughs> Plus, that's where our sort of awesome hangout is. And honestly, they make the time on Facebook all worthwhile for sure. Amen. Okay, here's a good one. This is this was like what should be on your favorites list if you guys thought we were going to do like favorite color, fa- you know, favorite season, which you all know, which we already have our favorite seasons. What's your favorite flower, Megan? Okay, so my favorite flower is um, a specific kind of rose. I love roses. Again, like I feel Aww. like I'm revealing to everyone. I am really not an original person. <laughs> I'm pretty easy to guess and figure out. But there is a specific rose that I really love. It's called the Blue Moon Rose. And even though it's called Blue Moon, it's actually like a very lavender shade. Mm. And lavender is one of my very favorite colors going back to childhood. So yeah, Blue Moon Rose is is at the top of my list on favorite flower. How about you? Eh, I love to garden, so it's kind of hard to choose. But lilacs are always at the top of my list, if not the very top. So I'll just choose that now. You know, their smell, the fact that you can only enjoy them for a very limited time, I think that is part of their allure. They're coming out with bushes now that have multi-blooming lilacs, like they'll bloom later in the season. And I'm for that. But part of me thinks, I wonder if then it becomes commonplace. Mm. But, you know, it's just, it's an evocative flower to me. There was one year even that for our anniversary or something, when we lived in California where lilacs don't grow, that Corey, I don't even know how he did it. He got me a vase of lilacs for our anniversary instead of like your traditional flower arrangements. But he knew that would make me extra happy and it did. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, okay. So you mentioned lilacs. I love lavender. My wedding colors, Kelly, were uh-huh. lilac and lavender. Oh, <laughs> so sweet. So deep is my love for purple, or it was at the time. But so speaking of weddings, which we've talked about a little bit on the show every now and again, what is your favorite memory from your wedding, you and Corey's wedding? Okay, so I got married before Pinterest, before all uh-huh. this stuff. You know, this yes. was a whole different era of weddings. It was, Right? Yes. yes. I look back at my pictures and I'm like, boy, there's just nobody that does simple weddings anymore. Like, this was so basic. You guys, I did my own makeup. Yeah. Well, I don't yeah, even think I too. had a manicure. <laughs> and my hair, I just, I had, I pinned my veil in it and went. Yeah. And, and part of it was just like where I was at the time in my life. I was like, let's just do this. Like, I, you know, like super. I've always wanted to get married in like red bride magazines and that sort of thing. But kind of at that point, I was like, oh you know, because of all the details and that sort of thing. So in some ways, I'm surprised I remember things because the day was such a whirlwind. But I do remember, and this is probably a lot of people, my youngest brother was like the ring bearer, but he was 11. So not really that age, but that was his role. And so we had a lot of people in our wedding, like as bridesmaids and groomsmen and a couple of Corey's like college roommate and his cousin, you know, so they're in their 20s, but they conned Jonathan, my younger brother, into giving when my dad, who married us since he's a pastor, said, you know, the ring, he gave Corey a little fake spider's ring that would come out of a, like, you know, concessions or a little, you know, box. So he gave him that instead of the ring. And and Corey is kind of intimidating. So we were all like, I can't believe he actually did it. You know, like they were like, you should do it. It would be so funny. And he's like, is he not going to be mad? And they're like, no, he's not going to be mad. It'll be awesome. And it kind of was, you know, so he did it. And Corey looked down and smiled and looked back at him. And he's like, I got it. I got it. You know, like he had the real ring. And so I don't know if the people in the audience knew what was going on, but it was just a sweet little moment kind of 
introducing Corey into our family uh-huh. and just you know, the meeting of worlds, that sort of a thing. Got do you have a favorite memory? I do. I do. As I've mentioned a few times on the show, my husband Kyle is an extremely, extraordinarily private person. And he was feeling a little nervous about the thing of during, you know, our wedding ceremony, like you're the star of the show, everybody's looking at you and was feeling a little nervous about that. I also just, you know, as a, a bride, I was like, a few days before my 21st birthday. So I was a young bride feeling nervous. So we talked it over with our photographer. And this was like a really, um, this was a little bit of a, a countercultural choice to make at the time. I think more people do this now. We decided to um, have all of our pictures done before the ceremony. Oh, okay. And so my wedding coordinator, who was the mother of one of my closest friends from college, um, she went in and, you know, got everybody, everybody out of the sanctuary where we were getting married, had Kyle stand at the front, had me come from the back. She opened the doors and I walked down the aisle. So the first time we saw each other in our whole wedding attire, whatever, it was just the two of us in the sanctuary. And it was just such a beautiful moment, just powerful connection between the two of us. Like, it was such a great reminder before all of the craziness of the day really started that, like, we were there for each other and it was about oh. us. And so, yeah. That's beautiful. Great... I mean, it's really powerful too. I, I know that that's done more often these days right. to give, yes. you know, the, the bride and the groom just like a few minutes alone together. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the videos I've seen of that, I ball. Yes. <laughs> like every time I'm like, why? Hold it together, Gordon. But like, it's so sweet because there is something really powerful about that. Yes, yes. Like I said, not many people were doing it at the, at the time. And we got a little bit of pushback yeah. from our family and friends, but it was the right thing for us to do. And I love that memory. So, yeah. okay. So kind of speaking of our entry into life as adults, as when we got married, the another topic that comes up a lot during that time is what job you wanted to have, maybe even as a kid or as a young adult, or even now, what is the job that you wished that you had? That you wish you had, like your favorite job, right? Uh-huh. Um, not that you actually had <laughs> the favorite job you wished you had, <laughs> which is so funny because I think I just realized this in all of the people in my life went, duh. <laughs> but I said, I should have been a meteorologist. <laughs> course you should have and everybody said duh yeah like it just hit me that you know again as everybody who listens to the show probably knows I'm in this kind of phase of life where I'm starting to say okay phase two of career what do I want to do you know like what could I take from you know my past actual career jobs and the the years I've been at home the world has changed like what would I do and so it just hit me and I remember going out to dinner with Corey just a few weeks ago and I said you know what I really want to do is be a meteorologist and I can't do that like I have to go back to school (laughs) and so like there's you know there's way too and like you have to be young there's just all these things Mm -hmm. but I was like that's my dream job and that's fine to be able to say a lot of people would say maybe I would be a movie star or whatever but that's what I would do if like the favorite job that I never had yeah I love it. what about you I always, for a long time, years and years, dreamed of being um, an editor at a publishing house like in New York City. Uh I felt like in an alternate universe, a different timeline of my life, that was what I was. I actually really love editing. I love editing Mm. more than I love writing. Mm. I like that thing of taking what's there and working with it and molding it and shaping it. And I really love editing the show for the same reason. There's something about it. So that's the job that for many years I kind of wished that I had. I have to tell you, too, honestly, I would love to uh, to work for NPR. <laughs> <gasps> oh, that's a good one. Yes. Right. 
Yeah. 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 Uh, just it, just anything like on air programming or even behind the scenes producing. I just man, that would just be so dreamy. So yeah, that's the job I'm currently wishing I had. <laughs> Most people don't say NPR and dreamy in the same sentence, <laughs> but we do. That's right, we do. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's one. Uh, since you didn't get to be an editor and you do have a family, so you can't live the single girl life in New York City. What's your favorite family outing? I love an art festival. Is that weird? Like a local art festival? No, that's really unexpected. Like, you know, as far as I don't think a lot of people would say that, but I think it makes sense. We love to take our kids down to uh, here in Oklahoma City. We have several art festivals that happen through the years. The Paseo Arts District Arts Festival, the Plaza District. There's one downtown. And just being in the midst of all of that creativity not only people's paintings, but sculptures and like textiles and all of that. We have always loved to do that. Our girls have grown up doing that through the years. The The twins are now getting indoctrinated into that. There's always, you know, fun things like food trucks and just being out in the community and seeing yeah. people like that are like, this is the thing. This is the thing that I made and talking to the artists and hearing yeah. their stories I am a sucker for an art festival and I really love to take my kids along too so that they just like feel like that's a that's a great fun way to spend your time is go talk to artists and and learn about their process and hang out in your community. So right. that's at the And top I would of guess that now they look list. forward to it or that sort oh, of thing. At 100%. least the girls, you know, they have yes. memories that go back like I remember when we were here last time or do you remember when you saw that? Because I think that that is that tradition memory building mm-hmm. is so important um, yeah. for all of us, really, not just for people who have kids, but I think it's it's huge for all of us. I think that's probably why when I was thinking about our family outings that are the favorites, our family camp was the first thing that came to mind. We've done it kind of on and off for a few years, but I think there's something so unique about getting away for a few days, not just on a vacation, uh-huh. which as we all know, if you have children, is more of a trip. It's a trip with children. <laughs> it's a trip with children, not a vacation, which is fine. But family camp, because so much of the work is done for you, you know, the programming, the food, the activities are all right there. It's It takes so much pressure off us as parents and kids. Like I am probably m- more willing those days to just just be the yes mom. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, will you yeah. come push me on a swing? Yes. Will you come play a game with me? Yes. Will you come be in the canoe race with me? Yes. Because I don't have all those other things. So I think that for our kids, that has just been a highlight because it's even if it's just, you know, three or four days, everybody is in a different environment. We don't have the normal distractions and, and pressure that's weighing in on you. And it's just it's a really fun time. And I love that they have memories from past years, you know, that they can they can build on. I always feel like sometimes we all do this, right? We're like, what did we even do this year? Right. And when I go back and look at pictures or I ask my kids, that always comes up. And I'm like, that's right. We did do that one thing. I mean, more than one thing. But, you know, we did that thing that really created great memories. Yeah. So I'm glad to keep continuing that tradition. I like that so much. So let's talk about, I don't even know really what to uh, use as a segue here. So let's just (laughs) go right into it. All of us love to hear nice things about ourselves from other people. I mean, I think that's pretty universal, right? So let's talk compliments. What's a favorite recent compliment someone's given you? Gosh, you guys, I can't believe I'm going to admit this. I'm blushing. But it really was. It was a compliment. 
to me anyway, I have had several people in just the last few weeks um, say to me or on social media to somebody else that I look like Lisa Kudrow. You definitely do. Yes. I, I don't really see it. Like, I, I kind of know it. I think especially at the age that I am now and that Lisa Kudrow is now, like, it wouldn't have been back in the friend's heyday. Like, I don't think people would have looked at me, although sometimes they did sometimes be like, you are a little like Phoebe Buffay. Um, and I took that as a compliment, even though you could sometimes take it as a non-compliment. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I think I love Lisa Kudrow's work. I love her sensibility. She's super smart. Um, you know, I, so just the comparison to me is way deeper than skin. Like when people say it, I take all the other things that I think about Lisa Kudrow and apply them. It's been, it was super flattering. Yeah. It's just a really nice thing to have somebody say. Definitely. definitely. What about you? Um, a lot of the ones that I've been treasuring lately have to do with Sorta Awesome, of course. And someone had mentioned that they were looking forward to the return of the show after our summer break because they just were so looking forward to having something positive to look forward to that, you know, it's been kind of a tumultuous summer, both here in the United States and internationally, and just that she was looking forward to having something positive to think about. Anytime somebody says, thanks for keeping me company while I'm on the treadmill, or thanks for keeping me company while I'm running errands or I was at the dentist and I needed something soothing to listen to. So I turned on Sort of Awesome. Anything like that, it really is. It just goes deep down into the marrow of my bones and settles there. It's always so welcome to hear those things. People will sometimes say on the Sort of Awesome Hangout, like they've made a recipe and they liked it. And I I said just even this last week, it sounds cliche or like I'm just being pat. I'm I'm not. Like that makes me so happy. because I love food so much and so to share something that I love and hear somebody come back and say hey that was really good I'm like yay absolutely we're we're all happy together yes okay so here's something this is kind of unusual question I can't wait to ask like the whole awesome community some of these things because the answers are so interesting what is something that is surprising you I have to say the thing that is surprising me so much right now in life is how much I am loving having little boys. We are finally getting into that stage where they're just like, they're so boyish. And um, I've been surprised for a long time how very busy having boys has been. There's... There's so much jumping and running and climbing. So much climbing, Kelly. I can't even believe it. (laughs) So much like just not sitting still. And I know that's stereotypical, but yes, I've for sure found that, especially with my youngest boy who's six now, Mm -hmm. you know, like the girls can sit. Boys just don't sit. That's not like part of their vocabulary. Right. It's so true. For a lot of boys. It's so true. But just like they're so into superheroes, which is a it's a thing that just came organically. Like we didn't you know, try to direct them one way or the other, but they independently decided superheroes were their thing. And so they dress up in the costumes, they play with them, just their imagination and just all of the boyishness around our house right now. I have loved having girls. And now that we are into this stage, this like sort of preschool stage with the boys, I am genuinely so surprised by how much I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. I have loved having boys too. I have to ask you, do your boys adore you? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. So I think that that's something that's really sweet too yes. about the different gendered kids is that boys often tend to just 
love their mamas. Mm-hmm. And so that's yes. endearing. <laughs> it, is. it definitely is. So how about you? What's surprising you right now? Well, this is one of those things that for me, what is surprising me is one of those very obvious, maybe duh sort of things, because I think it's something that we know in our heads, mm-hmm. but sometimes we have to live out experientially. And it is how much better I feel in every way, body, mind, and spirit, when I'm exercising regularly. Oh my goodness, it's so true. You know, it's been a long time. So this year, I'm finally really able to say, even through the summer, I have been exercising regularly. And it has probably been since before kids that I did that. And here I am to say, wow, I do better when I'm getting that physical activity, all those happy endorphins in my brain really do make a difference to the point that last week when I wasn't able to exercise just because the week that I had, I wasn't able to get to my normal classes, which is really where I'm held accountable. And just, I didn't have time. I was kind of in this mental whirlwind, I guess, by the weekend. Like I couldn't make decisions. My house was in a disaster and I didn't know where to start. And I was in a funk and I kind of boom, I had this light bulb moment where I was like, it's partly because I haven't exercised. Like my brain feels clogged. And so again, this is not like it's new science to anybody. Hello, we've known this for years. But I think it's something that's so surprising when you experience something like this and you say, hey, look, it's true. I do feel better when I'm exercising or when I actually get to sleep. It's so wonderful. And it is, it's kind of funny that it makes me surprised but it did. I get it. I totally, totally get that. Let's transition a little bit. And I cannot have you on the show and not talk about some food stuff because you are a reigning queen of all things delicious. So let's talk about a few favorites in the food category and let's start light. What's your favorite go-to snack? That is a really tough one. I, I try not to be too much of a snacker anymore because my snacks always used to be pretty unhealthy, you know? So then it was, if I, if you can't have cookies and candy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or chips, like, well, then what's the point? So I would say, though, my favorite thing to snack on is popcorn. I used to make the microwave, you know, brown bag popcorn, but what happened was my kids started to like popcorn. And, you know, popcorn is a pretty healthy snack. Like, we would just make popcorn you know, just straight from the kernels, then I would put butter and sea salt on it. And so we can put down some popcorn people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I went out just recently and bought an air popper. Ah, yes. um, So that I can make bigger amounts because it would just take too long Mm -hmm. to make the amount that I needed to make for my family. So that's my favorite thing to do for a snack and or dinner in the summer. (laughs) You know, like if, if we're just, everybody's kind of eaten at their own time frames. And so I think, you know, Corey's traveling. There's no reason for me to make a big meal. Smoothie and popcorn, baby. There you go. So, but Perfect. it's a good snack too. What about you? What do you snack on? I know you like popcorn too. I was going to say, I didn't know that was going to be your answer, but that's mine too. <laughs> I love popcorn. I do mine on the stove in a big, uh, big pot with, and I pop it in coconut oil. We do butter and salt and it is my favorite. It's so easy. It's ready in just like minutes and okay. everybody in the family from the twins all the way up to Kyle and I, we love popcorn. Snack twins. Uh, yeah, I know. On the other end of the spectrum, from light to something heavy and rich and fulfilling, let's talk comfort food. What is your favorite comfort food, Kelly? <laughs> okay, so I thought about this one 
And I was at first trying to think of your traditional comfort foods, right? At least here in America, you know, it's usually gooey, it's carb-based. So I was like, oh, homemade mac and cheese. Or like, I love a good burger. Like, you know, and I, if I'm eating a burger, I'm cheesing and baking it up, you know. Yes. So I was like, those are good. Or like homemade cinnamon rolls. I mean, the bread comfort food has like its own category in my life. But you know what? Really, I had this moment where I'm like, you got to be honest, girl. It's cereal. It's cereal. It really is like that's really kind of classic comfort food is defined by like what makes you feel good. You know, Mm -hmm. it answers that emotional like what makes you feel like everything is going to be okay. It's got memories. There's emotional ties, all that stuff. And I was like, it is. It's cereal for me. I wish I could be like more grown up. But a ice cold milk is necessary. Often for the best comfort food, you must also have some sort of easy fruit to throw on top, like berries or a quick slice banana. Like I'm not going to mm-hmm. go through the work of usually cleaning strawberries, right, right. <laughs> like and slicing them up. But, you know, like a Crispix um, is really good. I love Goleen's Crunch mm-hmm. cereal. Or yeah. I, I went through a very long phase. I think I'm finally cured, but of uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh man, I love it. Like once a day. Yeah. Because they sell it at Costco in like a two box pack. Sure, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm buying it as a treat for the kids. (laughs) The kids love this one. Yeah, the kids love this one. And they would eat it occasionally, but I wouldn't let them eat it for breakfast because it has so much sugar. So it's mostly mommy's nighttime comfort food. (laughs) What about you? What's your comfort food? My comfort food is totally carby. It's a specific kind of bread. I only get to have it once a year. I don't know how to make it is the thing. My mother-in-law is Czech. And a lot of people here in Oklahoma have Czech Czechoslovakian heritage. Um, she makes a bread at Christmas time called Hoska bread, and it is filled. It's a it's a amazing like yeast bread with raisins and nuts. And you take the dough and you braid it. It's a braided dough, yeah. and then you bake it. She makes them only at Christmas. I don't know how to make them. It seems a little advanced for me, honestly. So I've never even tried. Um, but it's so good. It's so carby, and I think that the the association with Christmas is a big yeah. part of why it is comforting to me, but she'll slice it nice and thick and toast it and just slather it with butter and host bread is always comforting for me for what, sure. What kind of fruit does it have in it when you say like dried fruit, like raisins, raisins. or? Yeah, just okay. raisins and nuts and I don't even know what kind specifically, but right. it sure is good. So, it sure is good. Yeah. yeah um, good. So Thinking of food, and let's talk about our kitchens a little bit. Do you have a favorite, like, go-to kitchen utensil that has been a favorite for you? Well, I couldn't cook without my chef's knife. So Mm. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when someone says, what's your favorite book? And you're like, well, I need to say the Bible. But (laughs) once I get that out of the way, once the chef's knife is out of the way, my kitchen tongs. Ah, yes. I have some big tongs. And, like, I don't know how I cooked without them before. They they are my hands in the kitchen for all things. Mm-hmm. Plus, I, I have kind of, Corey mocks me that my hands are a little babyish about heat because I burned <laughs> my hand really badly when I worked at Chili's. <laughs> so my maybe not so favorite job, uh, but I was a food server. I did love food serving all through college and I burned my hand. I like set it right on top of a griddle. So like just blistered. So now I'm like really a chicken and I love to be able to just turn things, put things on the grill move things around the skillet, whatever. I mean, I'm always using my kitchen tongs. And so, you know, we're mostly out of this phase, but I bet you are right in the middle of it. Three-year-old twin boys, you know, the kids come into the kitchen. They're like, we're going to take all of your utensils and play with them. Yes, like, you know, exactly all- what phase we're right? in. Yes. Yeah. 
So, like, one time, almost all of my uh, scrapers and spatula sort of things were missing. And, like, I all of them. So I was like, we have to find them. This is Kieran. He was probably about two or three. And I finally said, buddy, do you know where those are? Like, can you know, I'm thinking, he's where are they? And he took me. They were, like, in a secret compartment in a gas <laughs> fireplace. He had, like, stuck them through the little grating, you know, totally. like, mm-hmm. like a credit card. So there they all were. We found them. So they'll still take my some of my utensils but they know the tongs are off limits because <laughs> almost every meal requires tongs yeah so mom will you know roar from the kitchen who has my tongs that and they come back really fast that's so familiar my twins the twins love our kitchen tongs so much that i have had to start putting them on top of the refrigerator because mm. they will not stay away from them but so favorite kitchen utensil is one that we, the twins cannot get and that is our cutco knives like mm-hmm. we bought these years ago when Daisy was a baby and I'm telling you what they have, they have lived up to, you know, they have like a, like a forever guarantee on these knives. Um, the Cutco brand does. And w- I don't use them super often because I'm a little intimidated and I'm a little bit afraid I might slice a finger off. <laughs> they are so <laughs> super sharp that when you really need, I especially love their, we have a sandwich, like a, a bread or a sandwich cutter like a long thin one and then we have another one it's just kind of an all-purpose knife I don't even know what the technical official name for it is but it's so super sharp anytime you need to cut through something that you're just like how am I gonna how am I gonna hack this up that cutco knife is my go-to for sure but definitely have to keep them away from the kiddos so before we wrap up I have one more that I'm really interested to hear from you and that is if you just had an unlimited budget and you could just spend untold amounts of money is there one particular store that's a favorite of yours where you think that you could make that happen well i mean there's different types of stores right sure, but sure and yeah. this goes back megan i'm almost embarrassed you guys this is so commonplace i wish i was more exotic when it came to this i'm not a huge shopper but my first thought was target uh-huh. partly because target apparently knows me and gets inside my brain mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure you guys have read the articles like where they kind of actually do <laughs> yes. you know like they've they've done the, the you know the metrics and they uh-huh. have freaky good ability to figure out what their customer's stage of life is and yeah. what they're going to be buying. But really, like, I, I don't ever go into Target and not see something that I want, mm-hmm. that I, I don't always buy them. But, you know, whether it's the new home section or it's clothes or I just thought that's a store when we didn't live by a Target, my budget was a lot less, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> you know, because you're just not as tempted. And I think I'm better now. But you know, the joke, especially here in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, because this is where Target is based. That's right. We are overflowing. Like there are like six Targets within 15 minutes of me. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like having an alcoholic live at a bar, <laughs> you know. So I can go to a lot of different stores. But the joke at any of them is if you can get out of Target with less than $100, yes. like you win. That, you win. That is. Right? That is so, winning for sure. It's the store, but okay, so I'm going to throw it back on you. Do you have an interesting answer for me? Where is this place that you could just spend your money? I'm, I'm not very interesting. I'm so predictable. And my store where I could spend all of my money is Whole Foods. <laughs> oh, I almost said Trader Joe's. That's so funny. Whole Foods. Whole Foods Wait. is, I feel the same way that like you were just describing Target, which I was just at Target today, by the way, um, that they kind of can predict what you're going to want, what you'd be willing to spend money on. I feel like Whole Foods does that. Like they have looked into my brain and they're like, 
what would a slightly crunchy um, foodie wannabe like to put into her cart and spend a little bit too much money on. And that's what they filled the entire store with. When I walk in there, I'm just like, just the smell and the way the store is arranged. I don't know. I, I have to truly limit when I run in there for and like, be like, I have a specific list. I can only get what's on this list and like, like psych myself up in the parking lot (laughs) before I walk in. (laughs) All we need, chicken, bananas, chicken, bananas. (laughs) Right. It's just something so magical and appealing. And I know it's like so basic, so trite to be like, I love to shop at Whole Foods. But I I mean, I, it's irresistible to me to the point where I can't go in there or I will spend all of our money. So yeah, I get that, which is kind of funny. I mean, I really like to grocery shop. Yeah, so I, I kind of made myself not pick, you know, a food store. But I, I think that goes back to just my I love food. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't want to do one of the services where they deliver the food to me because I, I like to do it. Now, granted, it's so much harder with little kids under your feet. So I understand why those services exist and for people who don't like to grocery shop. But yeah, Whole Foods is like a whole body experience. <laughs> it is a whole body experience. Thank you for getting me, Kelly. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad you understand me. <laughs> Kyle doesn't understand me the way you do. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Like when I walk into a beautiful grocery store, you know, I'm, I am I light up. Yes. I start to touch things. Yes. I start to giggle a little. <laughs> and Corey's like, just get a banana. Tone it down. <laughs> like, come on, sunshine. Hold it together. It's yep. food. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, well, like I said, we are so looking forward to hearing what some of your favorites are in each of these categories. So we hope you'll come and find us on social media so we can continue to talk about the awesomes of our lives over there. Kelly, where can we find you all around the web? You can find me on Instagram, my favorite, at Kelly at Lovewell. It's the same handle on Twitter, at Kelly at Lovewell. And then on Facebook, I'm facebook.com slash Lovewell blog. And of course, in the Sort of Awesome Hangout group. That's right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, sometimes on Instagram, not as often as Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) At Sort of Awesome Meg, you can find the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sort of Awesome. The show is also on Instagram at Sort of Awesome Show. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at sortaawesomeshow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at pragermusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.